Welcome to Good For All. I'm Monique Nelson. Good For All is a podcast by Possibilities, a not-for-profit association that offers community living support services to persons with developmental disabilities and their families. On the podcast, we share stories about disability, community, and inclusion, and invite you to join us as we work toward our vision of good and full lives for all. In this two-part series, we're going to explore one of life's big moments, the transition to adulthood. How do we support transitioning youth and their families on their journey toward good and full lives? To help us answer this question, we hopped on the phone with two guests who each have a unique perspective on transition planning. Our first guest is Megan Taylor-Reed, a navigator with the Ministry of Children and Family Development. Just a few years ago, the Navigator role was piloted in three communities, serving both youth and seniors. Now, the service has expanded to over 140 communities across BC, and it's housed within the Ministry of Children and Family Development, focused specifically on youth aged 16 to 24. We met a while ago when she supported our family, as my son just recently transitioned to adulthood. Megan, wonderful to have you here today. Thanks so much, Monique. Could you please tell me a little bit about the valuable service that you provide? Sure. So, you know, for youth living with labels of of diverse abilities, um, moving into adulthood can be so challenging. And for parents and caregivers, helping youth move towards adulthood can be just as challenging. So really knowing what's available and who to approach, uh, what's possible. It's exciting and tricky all at once. And so that's where a navigator uh, can help youth and families with this transition. A navigator uh, helps youth and their team plan for the future and on their journey to becoming an adult. Of course, everyone is so unique and different. So we help youth meet their own goals and needs, and we can help youth um, be connected with supports from and in uh, their communities. While we would certainly love to support every (laughs) youth exiting high school, we don't have that capacity quite yet. So the service um, might be right for you if you have a diagnosis of intellectual uh, developmental disability, autism spectrum disorder, or fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Um, You need to be between 16 um, and 24. And really, the transition planning supports that we provide are very much about that 19 year old point. Um, so the earlier, the better. You're, you're going to hear me say that quite a bit. That's really interesting because I remember when uh, we first started talking about things like the interagency youth <laughs> transition planning protocol and learning that there were up to nine agencies involved. Wow. It's really hard for a family to sometimes take the lead as case manager. And I think the system was designed with that in the beginning. So now this is after having this pilot in um, four communities, three for youth and one for seniors, and now having this wonderful service available in 140 communities across BC. I can see how it makes a difference. Uh, Could you tell me a little bit more about how your role is distinct from, say, a facilitator, an analyst, or a social worker, and, and why it's needed by families and youth? 
um, you know, over a thousand families around the province identified that 19 is, is so very difficult in terms of transition team members coming and going and, um, not knowing who to talk to about what. And even if you could figure that out, what to request in these pieces. And so I think the navigator role is very distinct in that it is there before and after midnight of that 19th birthday. And the planning piece really is vital, I think, to understanding how planning that can begin at 16 is very specific and has significant depth. And so the planning process includes larger goals. So things like having enough money uh, to live, you know, on your own and relationships, um, gosh, traveling adventures, and then breaks it down into milestones. So those medium-sized steps that help meet um, big goals, like getting a job, meeting new people, planning for traveling, and then breaking those down even further into action items, which are very small steps about how to meet milestones, like learning how uh, to be independent with transit, um, trying new workshops or new groups, and hearing travel stories as well. So I think the f- the finite detail is that navigators meet with youth and families to discuss those goals, hopes, and dreams starting as young as 16. And so with a navigator, you know, planning around future goals, uh, you know, talking about if you want to go to school or find a job, where you want to live, uh, hobbies and activities to try, um, bringing together those supports you might already have, um, finding government and community services that are right for you, you know, and assisting, assisting youth with sharing stories uh, with other people who, who can help as well. Um, and so I think the, the finite detail is a navigator really can knowing that person-centered planning piece of who a youth is um, really help learn about services. And those services certainly include, you know, Community Living VC and adult upgrading grants and PWD, but aren't solely limited to that. You know, use that phrase, the midnight, (laughs) you're there before the end of the uh, 18th year and and you're there when the 19th year and beyond begin. Um, Working with social workers, it must be very challenging because they've often known the individual and the family for a very long time. So I imagine it's it's quite critical that you are there to pick up that story and help move it forward. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So you know, because we're um, able to have that gift of of planning, um, and we say early planning at 16, because really that is three years before 19. But your navigator really, you know, we can take time to get to know youth and those who, who support youth, uh, including, including family, friends, um, teachers, absolutely social workers and others. Um, the formation of a planning team and those coordinated supports and services, uh, from government and agencies bringing our relationships to the table. So coming together, um, creates time to celebrate successes, but then also share challenges and and brainstorm goals. You know, from the planning perspective, that's the the focus is that the plan be about about youth and be focused on 
on that piece. But you're absolutely right. That history and that story is one of the biggest pieces that we're able to bring forward and um, really, really share circling back to those goals and, and growth pieces are also what I, I just love to see. Oh, yeah. And, and I've personally experienced working with you as well. You take people into an abundance mindset. Really, by bringing those pieces to the table, people begin to feel supported and often can't even imagine what's that like if they don't have experience um, or familiarity with the different agencies and what their roles might be. So I think that's a really beautiful part of the work that you do, uh, helping families and youth through. Can you tell me about one of the most common challenges that you see families and youth struggling with as they enter into this planning process? Thinking about life after high school can can be hard um, and it's uh, stressful um, for for everyone. So information and knowledge uh, allows for choice uh, because um, there's different steps for youth and families uh, to complete at different times. The that earlier planning really does give time uh, to spread the work towards transition at 19 out amongst weeks um, and months, uh, as opposed to having to uh, squish those pieces of work uh, into a small period of time if you just don't know. And so what does a typical day work look like for you? I mean, I think like you, Monique, you know, there is no typical day. Um, <laughs> our days are as diverse as our, our youth and, and teams. Um, uh, certainly we spend time getting to know, uh, youth, uh, that are newly referred to us, uh, what's important to them, who's in their lives and goals, um, that start to pop up for them and have, have been there, um, from the get go. And that process is, uh, is called, uh, build a picture. Um, youth tell us, who they want on their transition teams, uh, and then start, uh, the fun, the fun of, of planning. And so that's the moment where, uh, transition teams, uh, come together and are starting to be called that. Um, and so team meetings, uh, certainly, uh, have a lot of prep work, um, supporting youth and families, um, really to, uh, uh, either host or get to that point where they're hosting their own team meetings, uh, gathering uh, together the team, you know, having the meeting, of course, and then uh, significant about of of follow up with with questions or ideas that that um, come up. We spend time building relationships with partners and really uh, try to to model what that positive uh, relationship looks like for for youth and families as well. I think that's another exciting piece of the work. You know, I'm hearing or I'm feeling things like abundance when you speak and the gifts that we're um, exposing that youth and families have and how they can bring them forward, the support, the transitioning. Can you tell me about a time that you really made a difference in someone's life? I bet you you have so many stories about um, (laughs) success stories. It's true. And you know, I, yes, every youth, every youth is, is a highlight, whether it's, um, a little or a lot. But certainly one of my favorites is, uh, is a youth who expressed 
that they were done with high school uh, in, in grade 12, choosing not to do um, that overage or grade 13 year because uh, they really just wanted to work in construction. And uh, so during the school year, because we'd been involved from grade 11 at 16, the youth was supported to ask for help from their educational assistant in particular to attend a short skills training program in construction. And uh, then uh, landed a job through WorkBC's help uh, with the municipality. So they continue uh, also, of course, to play sports and, you know, enjoy family time together. But really what was, was so fantastic was that all of this uh, was before turning 19. And uh, I, I really do strongly believe that just, you know, even a short decade ago, this youth would have felt stuck in grade 13 and they would, uh, they would have been eligible for day programming 10 years ago and today. But instead, uh, partners really, you know, rose to the dream shared by this youth and we get to see that changing face of inclusion and leadership by youth and self-determination every day and uh, champion that from the sidelines as we see those youth go forward. I, I, you know, I, I know in my experience working with you, you showed us how to dream bigger. And, well, we, I thought we were already dreaming pretty big, but working with you. Uh, you are so a big cool. dreamer, Monique. It didn't take much convincing, that's for sure. <laughs> Not much convincing, but certainly yeah. a beacon of light and exploring yeah. things that I didn't think were possible as families when we we're seeking services. You, you're looking at um, how you're, the person that you love may be when they are needing the most support, right? It doesn't always naturally take you to dreaming about things where they're interdependent in community without paid supports necessarily. That's a big leap. And I think that's one of the really juicy bits that the navigator can bring you through that journey to a place you couldn't otherwise imagine. What do you think parents and caregivers need to pay attention to in those early tween and teen years to prepare for that, you know, planning piece that happens between 16 and 19? You know, that transition at 19 is one to prepare for by researching, connecting, and and planning starting early. So that really can mean that planning is more manageable. And like you've said, it's possible to then feel like you can dream uh, a bit bigger. Um, it also gives time to research others' stories um, and paths also for ideas of, of what's local. So having that family-to-family, friend-to-friend connection and um, sitting down over, you know, a picnic and just kind of wondering or, you know, connecting through um, various organizations that have mentor supports and um, just leaning, leaning into that inquiry. Yeah. Well, I think that's absolutely true. <laughs> so after thinking about, you know, where do those juicy conversations happen in the early years? And it is family to family and families coaching each other through. Yes. And continuing, continuing that too. I know it can take a little extra energy to build that, that support network. Um, but it is, it is vital. And I think that navigators can, can help recognize who those supports, um, might be going forward as well in those initial brainstorms. One of the uh, best pieces of advice I think I received at a conference was in the women's washroom and <laughs> break in between <laughs> sessions. 
<laughs> and I was speaking with uh, a CLBC uh, staff member who's also a parent. And I was remarking that I was concerned about all the people who weren't in the room, who didn't mm. have the opportunity to go to conferences and workshops. And she said, Monique, bring one with you. Make sure you take this message out to at least one person. And that's something that I've been encouraging other families to do as well. It's like, we have some challenges in, in sharing information about something like a navigator service or um, a community sports league with all families at, in all stations of life, um, all economic strata, all of those different barriers that can lead to people not getting information that, that would help them. So I always take that to heart. It's like bring someone else along on the journey with you. Um, can, speaking of that, uh, how does a parent ask for your service and is there a cost to them? You know what? Even use, use parents, caregivers, guardians, and all of our partners uh, are able to self-refer or refer. Uh, the easiest way is by calling our phone number 1-855-356-5609 to request a navigator. Uh, there is no cost and navigators are available in over 140 communities. Oh, that's wonderful. And we also maybe can give a little shout out to organizations like the Family Support Institute and Inclusion BC and Vela Microboard Association. They all have a number of online services and supports that they can assist people who live in more remote communities or who don't yet have a navigator in their community and help with that peer-to-peer -peer support. Eh? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say our navigator teams of the North and the Interior have really been working hard also over the last uh, years at uh, virtual virtual practice pieces. And so we're continuing that these days um, everywhere. Yes. <laughs> and um, so that's also additional supports. But certainly, yes, with not being in all communities, um, uh, all of those supports are, are vital for, for everybody everywhere. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> Thank you so much. And in closing, I, I'd like you to reflect a little on your own transition journey and the many stories that you hold. Is there any other advice that you have for our listeners? I think, you know, it's about, it's about having adventures. Um, and within, within those adventures, you know, knowing, knowing your choices and, uh, being able to, to make decisions, um, that allow, allow you to continue to grow. And that's, that's for youth and, and young adults, um, families and, and caregivers and all members of teams, really, um, being able to, to share in these processes or why, why everybody is, is wanting to be in, in the field and, and doing the work that we do. But that adventure piece, I think, is, is paramount for transitioning youth to be able to explore and experience, um, adventures, whether they be small in our own backyards or larger than life. So I think that's the, that's the main point. So what does living a good and full life mean to you? You know, it, it's living the life that you define, uh, knowing, knowing what's available in community and, uh, and supports to, to assist in, in this big adventure and living that life that you're defining can also sometimes mean, uh, difficult conversations when something's not working. And it can also mean, um, conversations to request support so something can work. Uh, so it's equally, equally about those decisions 
definition points, but that life that you are giving definition to is so very empowering to also be able to share to those planning teams. Yeah. Thank you so much, Megan. I heard so much in your uh, responses today. You know, we talked about things like person-centeredness, self-determination, choice, growth, access to information and supports. And maybe most of all, just by um, having this conversation, we can share with our listeners that this really is a journey. It doesn't have to be rushed. It can be it can be a joyful journey um, with learning and growth and support. And we now know the number to call <laughs> to help many people get on that journey with you. Well, thank you for hosting this important podcast, Monique, and to your team as well. And absolutely looking forward to hearing from everyone. Take good care. Thank you for listening to Good For All from Possibilities. I'm your host, Monique Nelson. You can learn more about our transition support services and everything else we do on our website, possibilities.ca. Keep up with the podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And if you liked what you heard, share this episode with your family and friends. Thanks for joining us. This has been part one of our two-part series on transition planning. Stay tuned for our next episode to hear a parent's perspective on this important transition.